All right, so so we brought you on uh, this week specifically to talk about Tesla. Oh, Tesla. Oh, I thought you said earnings. tennis. Oh, oh, I thought you tennis. said tennis. Oh, so you've done That's all your research in tennis. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Hang on. Let, I better start looking into Tesla. No. <laughs> yeah. Ah. No, yeah, Tesla. It's a pretty uh, interesting earnings release. I actually better get it up. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I was just reading through it before we started reading. I've got yep. some questions because there were, it was a, the sentiments was really positive, but then I look at some of the numbers and I'm like, I, d- I don't mm. know why everyone's so into this earnings <laughs> release. So maybe you'll be able to I don't know. Hopefully uh, explain I can shed some... a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> no, I, th- I thought it was interesting. I thought it was pretty pretty impressive quarter overall. I mean, so I like what that were the cont- head? What were the headline numbers that you thought were were worth noting? Oh, I think that looking at the um, the free cash flow number was pretty good. They had a billion dollars of free cash flow, which is always nice to see if you're a long-term. Like with with Tesla, like I try. I know this sounds weird, especially as someone that's an investor. I try not get too bogged down in the quarter-to-quarter financial numbers. I actually really like looking at. Oh, like obviously, you got to check the financial numbers, make sure they're not they're not in any sort of pickle. Um, but I really like looking at operational data with Tesla. So I love learning about like how the Model Y is progressing, how that Gigafactory Shanghai is progressing, that sort of stuff. But I think like the the, the front page of their uh, uh, earnings release uh, does have hit some pretty good points that they increased their cash position by $930 million. They're up to $6.3 billion. That was a worry because it was only a, a year ago that Tesla only had a cash cushion of two point one billion. So, I mean, you think about the what they do primarily. Eighty five percent of their business or eighty five percent of their revenue is made just by producing and selling cars. I mean, if you hit, I mean, it, for, through no fault of their own, if we hit some sort of massive recession or something similar, then they're going to be impacted quite heavily by that. So, two point one billion dollars just sitting there in, in the banks, like. Is that enough? But now it's six point three. Yeah. Plus they were also they were also like ramping at that stage as well. They so were. It's like yeah. You can't. It's not just like as a contingency. They've got to use that money for yeah new gigafactories and stuff like they're that. They're going to use so, it. Yeah. It definitely mm. was smaller than what everyone yeah thought. Yeah. So that's good to see that 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 cash buffer is is getting bigger. But so six point three billion dollars isn't a lot of money. No. Yeah. Um. Like if something catastrophic were to happen. Yeah. Um, oh, they they they'd feel it for sure. Yeah. Uh, like just off the top of my head, I think that Boeing, granted, they have much bigger operations, but the seven three seven Max they just guided. I think it was this week, or maybe late last week, that they expect the costs for the seven three seven Max whole issue to go up to eighteen billion dollars now. Wow, see that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's that that really hurts. And and that's because obviously the seven three seven max is unusable, and there's there's a whole range of implications there from airlines uh, not buying the planes to them having to store the planes that they have made, and then they have to stop the production. Um, there'll be no doubt they'll have to. Re- reimburse or something for suppliers who also have to shut down their production lines. So it, that's a much more complicated issue. But when something catastrophic like that happens, where you've got a product which is 
really far into its production cycle. If something happens that that product has to be recalled, it can the cost can balloon very quickly. So, but yeah, I mean year over year that that uh, cash growth was seventy percent. So that's that's really good to see it growing that quickly. I think the good thing now is that you're seeing a over the last few quarters, over the last three quarters, you're seeing Tesla now producing consistently quite positive um, free cash flow. So they they can they keep adding to it, um, which is good. And 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 the thing that I look at with that is that okay, you you could always try and maybe get your free cash flow up by reducing your capex or something. Just you know, just stop investing. We just need to add cash to the balance sheet. But over time, like Tesla is continuing to, continuing to have a higher and higher capital expenditure um, each quarter. So, and they, and it, like even here, it's they didn't have one billion dollars of free cash flow because they had no capex. In fact, they had one of their highest, uh, if if not their highest, I don't even I can't remember. At, at least their highest capex for a little while of four over four hundred million dollars. So. I think it's good that and over the last three quarters, they've continued to show like, yes, we can keep showing up each quarter. We can keep making a profit. We can keep adding to that uh, that cash position. The interesting thing, the thing that I'm uh, wondering is whether the next quarter, Q1 2020, will be profitable because they say in this letter that um, around the ramp of new products, profitability might not be a thing for Tesla. And they've got that issue compounded with the fact that Q1 20, uh, Q1 is a very weak um, uh, season for auto sales in the US. So, okay. yeah, I mean, a couple of factors that might make Q1 2020 look not so good versus um, this last quarter. But yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. But I think on, on the whole, they're doing much better with generating that free cash flow. Yeah, interestingly though, their um, like their liabilities are not very heavy in debt. It looks like they've only got about ten ten billion dollars worth of debt. Oh really? Um, yeah. So right. from from that sense, if they are able to generate that free cash flow on a fairly consistent basis, which they've demonstrated over the last year, if mm. they were to run into an issue, I think that the profile of the company would would stand them in good stead with uh, lenders and they'd be able to get some cash yeah um to i I don't think that would yeah i don't think they'd find it hard to get their hands on more money i mean they say that i've they say that they really don't want to have to raise capital but i mean they probably could just turn around and raise capital pretty easily yeah, especially if something really bad happened and it was a do or die kind of situation, then they would they would be able to go to the streets, I think, and get capital unless it was yeah. some global no calamity yeah, where exactly. nobody no, was I, lending I money. Um, so uh, that is good to see. Um, why the the sort of numbers that were sticking out to me, like right on the front page of their earnings was that the the revenues don't seem to be growing particularly quickly. Oh, you're looking at uh, year-over-year numbers? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if there's a reason for that. If you look at their uh, revenue growth over time, um, oh, it'd, be, it'd be really good if you could see a chart because it the Q... Actually, go to hypercharts.co and go to Tesla 
because you'll see, yeah, basically you'll see that it looks like a really nice, clean exponential, except for Q4 and Q3 last year were outliers and kind of stuck up abnormally high. And I think that's just when... Can you see that? I think that's just when they when they really started to churn out a lot of those higher um, average selling price Model 3s, those higher spec Model 3s. So, Looks like that's just Model 3 in general. That's when they delivered a lot of them. So I'm guessing because they can't recognize that revenue until it gets delivered to the customer. Exactly. So There was one quarter in there. I think it was the, what was it? Was it Q? Oh, I can't even remember. Q1 this year? Yeah, that was yeah. down. Where, where they had their, um, they actually produced, if you look at their production for Model 3, was completely normal, completely healthy. But their deliveries for Model 3 were way down because all their, uh, that's when all of their Model 3s that they'd, uh, they'd produced were stuck on boats at the end of the quarter. Like they were going to the customer, but of course they couldn't count them as deliveries because they hadn't been delivered yet. They were just on the way. And they said that, oh, geez, I wish I could remember the stat, but I just can't. Something like a, a massive chunk of their quarterly deliveries happened in the last 10 days. Yeah, of the I quarter remember as that. All these boats started arriving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and that was one of the, the short seller arguments as well, um, <clears throat> particularly looking not this quarter, but last quarter, is that they were kind of plucking those convenient re- uh, quarterly revenue numbers to say, look, you know, year over year revenue Revenue's is down. Down, yeah, 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 yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Now it's it's interesting to see since that Model Three has come into production, just how much stronger the financial position has got. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's I, and and that's interesting to me because you would think that the Model S would be a, a more attractive car, but it, it's clearly not. Did you guys see at the very end of the letter? the inflection point on the free cash flow and vehicle deliveries very end of oh in in one of those graphs there it was yeah. one of the very very last yeah graphs yeah yeah where it's all superimposed on top of each other yeah 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 that yeah. one yeah it's a telling graph isn't it yeah because that basically shows where the the model 3 ramped and then suddenly everything got very positive so and and i think that's that's really when the big debate was happening with Tesla when the shorts were getting their position started was before that ramp um, where you, you just have Tesla burning cash, uh, not really making any headway. And yeah, it doesn't look like it's getting better. In fact, it looks like it's getting worse through there. Yeah. And then when they did ramp, then obviously they had the one quarter, which wasn't great, but then it has got significantly stronger and, like, I wonder what's the Model Y going to do to that now? Do we have any Do we have any indication of how many orders are are in for the Model Y? Or they? I don't know. They think, I was going to say go. they think they're going to sell the exact same amount of Model Ys as they did or are currently selling Model Threes from launch. Mm. So I think it's going to be yeah. So I think it's going to be equivalent. Well, maybe not from the initial launch because they've got to ramp everything up, but. Um, at scale, they think everything's going to balance out to be equivalent to or slightly greater than what the demand is for the Model 3. Yeah. No, uh, do notice here that the global inventory is 
coming down, which indicates that even though they've they've added all this capacity, um, the, that demand is getting stronger there. They had global inventory days of 19 a year ago, and it's down to 11. Down 11, yeah. And that's what people are just observationally saying, um, like on forums and whatever, is that if you go to some of the Tesla like showrooms around in the United States, there's there's no cars there. <laughs> Because I think they've yeah they've just been selling as many cars as they possibly can. Yeah, yeah. But, the Tesla um, showroom here has, I think they they just have two cars parked in there, and they have a chassis as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you can see like the battery sitting in there. One of the interesting things I saw in the letter was that, um, for 2019, most of the orders came from new buyers that didn't hold the a prior reservation. Oh, yep. interesting. So they're all all those fresh customers. Yep. They say that now the demand is, they're consistently, uh, well, they've got more orders than what they can service. And now they, they've delivered all of the cars that reservation holders had. So it's just all of this stuff going on now is just new orders, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, like all of their reservations have now been met, <laughs> which is pretty phenomenal how much demand i think it's actually a very important point to kind of touch on is just how how much demand there there is for these cars with absolutely no advertising did you guys see uh, did you guys see the the uh interview though with uh cnbc and a bunch of nfl players no what was that so they so they asked them what their favorite car is right yeah, and every single one of them said Tesla. Wow! <laughs> and I mean, what kind of advertising is that? You know? Yeah, I reckon that's unreal. Um, yeah, and it just isn't happening for anything else. No, it no. doesn't happen. It's funny this the Cybertruck got more me- literally got more media attention than you could have bought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they didn't have to do anything for it. I, I like those arguments that smashing the window probably worked in their in their favour. Yeah, it definitely, it got definitely works in their favour. Yeah. I mean, I was just I was just walking along the street the other day and we saw like a smashed window, <laughs> and uh, I like pointed it out. I was like, "Oh, look, Cybertruck ad." <laughs> Cybertruck. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Elon was stating in the call that. I think he said they got three or four years worth of demand for yeah. the Cybertruck. Yeah. Like in terms then, of like what they can actually produce. Like they, mm. they're they chockers for the next three or four years now. Yeah. He was saying one of the interesting points for them is that really their main focus now is they have to improve their battery production um, capabilities. Because at the moment, if even if like, even if they started making Cybertrucks right now, they would be making Cybertrucks at the expense of one of the other car programs. They would be taking taking production away from a Model Y or a Model 3 just to make them. They, they actually need more cells. They need more battery packs because otherwise they're, yeah, they're not, they're just, it's, yeah, they're not going to be able to keep up. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. What were you saying on our last episode, Matt? Which company was it? Audi that's had to lay off workers? Uh, I believe it's Audi. Yeah, it was Audi with their e-tron. They laid off, I think it was about, well, they're about to lay off 250 workers. Yeah, due to those um, 
what was it again? The constraints with the the battery supplier. Well, I suspected. think yeah, the speculation is the battery. It supplier. was just a it was just a supplier, but people were suspecting it was oh, the batteries. Okay. Right, right, right. Okay. So I think that is the next big, big thing is going to be the like the ability of these companies to get battery cells. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, if you look at say the semi, and if you just if you just assume say that it's a a megawatt hour battery pack, which is ten times what your Model S is, you only have to produce fifteen thousand for that to be equivalent to fifteen uh, hundred and fifty thousand. Model S units, which is a massive drag yeah. on cell That's supply. Hard. Yeah. That's hard. I wish we got a few more answers about that, but Elon's keeping his cards very close to his chest. He just keeps saying, oh, you're going to have to pay attention to battery invest today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to have to keep... Sh- you have to w- wait for that. I mean, I-, I honestly can't wait for that. Apparently, it's happening in April. I can't wait for that. That's that's going to be he really said it's, interesting. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. At what well, he is- says he's possible says, so. says he's going to be like he's going to show how tesla is going to their plan to produce i don't know something like a thousand times more batteries than what they currently do it's like what? far out like not not like 10 times it's like a thousand are you serious I w- are you serious i wonder if that will be because <laughs> speculation has been that there's going to be a increase in the capacity of the batteries I wonder if he's conflating that with a thousand times more battery. That would make a different. That would make a big difference. Uh, they would both be positive if they can make a thousand times more capacity, but they're going to be rolling out the same number of cars. It makes a difference versus yeah, that's true. Getting a thousand, a thousand times more cars out the door. Um, but they're both they're both positive things. The other thing, the other I was going to say, the other thing in this report was. Um, let me just find it really quickly. Ah, oh, here it is. It's the um, electric SUV energy efficiency. Oh, how good is that chart? Yeah, and it compares the iPace, EQC, the Mac-E and the e-tron and the Model Y all-wheel drive, the long-range one. It's, yeah, it's like 40 to 50% more energy efficient than, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Their battery technology and also their electric powertrain technology is just so, so efficient. I mean, this is what people always say. I absolutely hate the argument. People say, oh, there's there's nothing that sets Tesla apart. Like, they're just, it's just a battery. I've got the same battery in my smartphone. It's like, there's nothing. I mean, are you serious? You look at that chart and you're like, the, the other, I used to think, I used to think that other car companies will just have got so much money that they'll be easily able to catch Tesla in everything that they do. And now that we're seeing Audi come out with a car, Ford come out with a car, Mercedes, Jaguar, all of these big automakers, they come out with these cars, they release the specs, you keep adding another line on this chart and nothing, still nothing comes anywhere close. You can see it if you look at the chart, how close the other cars are to each other. But when it, then you add the Teslas, and the energy efficiency of the battery pack and the dry, of the whole vehicle is just it's just ridiculous it is such an advantage ultimately it just means that they're going to be able to well their cars are going to go further and they'll probably be able to uh, uh, they'll be able to keep the cost down more can we just point out here i'm just looking at this chart that they've just unashamedly 
slapped the charts together in Excel, not changed anything, and pops it on the earnings report. Like, is that for the Model Three delivery yeah. by region? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. They, <laughs> what, what was that? What was that? Say so that? the Model Three deliveries by region on page uh, seven. They've just slapped that together in Excel really quickly and <laughs> dropped it in there. It's an Excel chart, isn't <laughs> they it? didn't change the styling or anything. All the other ones have a bit of change styling. Like yeah. they've got a bit of a gradient on there. But that's <laughs> just like the flat, that's just standard chart. Clearly, this is another prime example of the efficiency that Tesla looks to <laughs> cost cutting <laughs> cost, yeah. they just hired an intern you can still, to, to put together you can this. still read the chart the chart yeah. still makes complete sense it's as good as Mercedes chart <laughs> I'm going to bring up Mercedes no, was, chart now and see what it looks like uh, <laughs> it was um, it was funny in the call where, where they were talking about um, like potential improvements to the powertrain and You're right. one of the right. analysts was suggesting that, you know, increasing voltage or something to, to better improve its efficiency. And Elon's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I think we're doing right, pretty okay. damn good. He's yeah. like, he compared the, uh, what was it? The uh, the Porsche yeah, with the 200 Taycan. miles of range compared to the other one, which is the Model S, which is nearing, um, nearing 400, 400 miles of range for the same size battery pack. It's unreal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's unreal, yeah. I think three three hundred and seventy miles for the top range model S, but still such apparently, a drastic difference. Yeah, such apparently it's nearing four hundred, though they haven't updated it on the website. Oh, with yet. their with their new tech that they're working on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, all of them are like slightly lower than what they are actually like capable. Oh, of. right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's something to do with the testing process or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, the the battery invested I am super pumped for. So me too. Yeah, that's gonna be good. Me too. But I think like they've got the they've got building the cars down, building them profitably down, and while they have a much better product, they like I, I was saying this a few weeks ago, they are going to come up to a point where they're not going to be able to supply enough cars. Um, and there's going right now, if you want an electric car, you're mad to not get a Tesla. Uh, but there's going to come a point where even though they'll probably still be ahead, you're just, you're not going, not everybody can buy a Tesla. And that changes the dynamics of the market for, for electric vehicles. And it will be interesting to see what happens there and how the market ends up settling, like who has what. Uh, market share I thought this was interesting because I hadn't really considered it yet and Jim Cramer said it um, a couple of weeks back he was like why is why is no one buying any of the other electric vehicles you know we've always been told that everyone wants just electric vehicles that's why they're getting a Tesla but then all these other car companies come out with you know nice looking electric vehicles and not as many people are buying them and he said it's People want to buy the technology on wheels as opposed to just the feature that is electric vehicles. I think also people just yeah. want to buy a Tesla. Yeah, yeah. it's becoming I mean, a big brand. Nice. Like there's, a, there's a virtue mm. signaling element of it because if, if you're a, a clean energy person and you're an environmentalist and all this stuff, if you drive a Tesla, you don't have to explain to Definitely. anyone that that's an electric vehicle. 
Yeah, yeah. you are better than everyone like else. If you if you get a ja- <laughs> if you get a Jaguar I Pace, and you're at a bar explaining that to someone, oh yeah, I drive a Jaguar I Pace, and they're gonna be like, oh, okay, yeah. cool, and then you're like, that's electric, man. Like like yeah. whereas if you say, oh, I drive a Tesla, everybody knows, and so yeah, that's they true. They do have the brand that electric vehicle almost is synonymous with Tesla at this point. Almost. Yeah. The other mm. thing that's interesting as well is the, the the upgrades to the actual car itself. Like every year, the other autos... I was only just thinking about this other, the other day. Every year, the other autos come out with a different model, kind of, and they change the body of it and it looks different. Yeah. Whereas with here, your... Yeah. yeah, with your Teslas, you, you buy one and you know that it's going to... That's going to be the same model that's going to be developed over many years and it's not going to date really... Well, the technology on the inside of it will date, but the the look of it itself, yeah, the look you know, won't you're not going to be able to really tell that quickly. Yeah, and most of the stuff, like most of the stuff that keeps getting major improvements, is the software, which you'll still be able to upgrade as well. So, kind of makes you rest easier a little bit more. Your car doesn't doesn't uh, definitely doesn't go out of date. You just keep updating it, so it just stays fresh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder that there's a lot of cities around the world who are buying electric buses. We have them here already. Um, We've got a few electric buses. Um, I'm just reading an article here that says that UPS has signed a deal with a UK startup arrival to buy 10,000 of its electric delivery vans between now and 2024. Like, who are all these companies making these electric buses and things like and what technology do they have yeah i don't know yeah. to be perfectly honest because did you know that did you know that china has about four hundred thousand electric buses really no i didn't know that that's unreal yeah because someone was like comparing the other day it was like oh, it was a while back we bought like 10 electric buses or something stupid and <laughs> and then here's china with like four hundred thousand electric yeah. buses already <laughs> wow <laughs> The electric buses yeah. are really weird. There's one that I ride along a route that there's one of them is set on and occasionally I mm. see it and it's it's a really weird thing. When it comes past you, it's just so quiet. Like usually yeah. buses are... Easy to get hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, usually buses are loud It'd enough hard thing that to sell. like if you're listening to a podcast or something, it will, when it comes past you, you can't hear what's coming through your headphones. But this mm. bus comes past and it's just to- totally quiet. It's really cool. It's pretty cool. I reckon it'd be pretty hard to sell a, an electric bus. You think about the size of the battery packs that are in those. Yeah, and you'd have to you have to sell imagine, them to cities and whatnot. Yeah, imagine the manufacturing behind that. That'd be tough. Yeah, I wonder though, as we move forward through through time, how electric technology is going to change our our habits in terms of transport. Um, obviously, there's a whole self-driving cars uh, factor in that. Uh, there's the the personal electric vehicles. Like uh, electric scooters are getting crazy popular here in Sydney. You just see you see them everywhere, um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that starts to change how people actually get around. Because when there's compelling ways to to do that, where you don't have to outlay a bunch of money to get a car. And you can get there quicker anyway. Um, I, th- I think that 
50 years into the future or 100 years into the future, we're not going to be driving around in cars like we do today. And that opens up space for even new entrants that we haven't thought of into the, uh, the transportation market. Because like, the, the fact is that Tesla are an auto manufacturer now and it would be very difficult for them to pivot and switch into another industry. Um, at, at least, at least quickly. If something happened gradually, in terms of what other industry you mean, like the 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 personal like transport, like bikes and stuff, or yeah, I I don't I don't even know if there was like bikes or if there was buses. If suddenly people stopped buying cars and it fell off a cliff, Tesla would be would be finished. Yeah. Um, I reckon they could pivot really into anything to do with electrification. Yeah, I think, you think for for their brand, like it's it's almost synonymous with just electric stuff. Like you got the solar and and um, the energy storage, and as those get bigger, I think it'll become easier for them to do pivots into, you know, other sort of stuff to do with that. Yeah, that's true. Like sort of, like maybe Tesla will become an IBM or a Cisco kind of company, but for electric. Uh, infrastructure rather than yeah, computing. But I mean, also, also like you look at <clears throat> Elon Musk's other ventures, like the Boring Company, like the the flamethrower, not a flamethrower, had nothing to do with the Boring Company itself. Yeah. Yet they sold however many thousands of them just yeah. like overnight, pretty much. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that's that's a good point where say probably a better example is Samsung where they are a manufacturing powerhouse really they can they can man- anything you want Samsung can manufacture it for you like if you want a smartphone they'll make you a good smartphone if you want a giant cargo ship they can make that for you as well <laughs> uh, and so that's really what their specialty is and if, if Tesla becomes uh, the specialist in electric effect, electric electrification, um, then yeah, you could see them becoming like a, a new age Samsung, where there's going to be all these shifts towards electricity and battery powered things, and if they can scale that way very quickly, then uh, you could you could see them cementing themselves like that. I yeah. really want them to build like a bike or a scooter or a skateboard oh, that, or something yeah. like that. That would sell I out think the so potential, quick. Yeah, I, th- I think, and I think they've made a good start. They've got really their three big things that they know how to do is make batteries, make electric drivetrains or, or make electric motors and, uh, and they know how to program good software. So I think if you take those three things, you could combine any you know you could combine them in any which way to make a whole various number of products um like what you're saying focus more on like energy provider grid scale whatever with their software and their battery packs or whatever or they could do i mean they've got they've got the core technology that they could do a electric skateboard or an electric scooter or you know one of those one wheel things or whatever like they they know how it's just a case of miniaturizing what they already do i mean they've got they know how to make electric motors. They know how to make um, pa- uh, batteries. So I think that they could. They, they they know enough about these 
core parts of their business that they could pivot if needs be. Uh, because I think you're right, like in the future, we're already seeing it's kind of like a trend for younger people to not own a car, um, like what you do where, where you live in Sydney. I mean, you just get to working back on your on your one wheel. So and I think that, you know, as you know, cities get bigger, more congested, more congested and whatever, there could very well be a shift towards those smaller electric powered uh, modes of transportation, just individual transportation. Yeah, I think, uh, I think scooters if, are going to get very popular. Yeah. Scooters are easy. Yeah, they're pretty easy to ride. You don't have to do much work if it's electric. I think that that makes sense for most people. Yeah. Especially in those cities where they've like closed off the city itself to vehicles. Well, yeah. Like private transport. Of course. So yeah. you, you are able to more easily move around on your own sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You've got, you've got a fair few cities now starting to transition towards that. And uh, like I, I was reading something just the other day about. Um, some big city that you saw before and after photos of they changed some of their roads so that no cars could drive down them and it was cyclists or whatever only. And yeah, it's just a a huge difference and it will change cities completely. Um, And I think that part of the, the solution to obviously a lot of this comes down to climate change and part of the solution I think is in obviously electrifying what we do, like have right now. So electrifying cars, electrifying everything. But then the other part of that is also just examining how can we change our habits so that we don't have to electrify things that are difficult to electrify. That that will be an interesting uh, development to watch, but uh, Tesla will probably be on the forefront of it. Mm. The other thing I wanted to talk about in this thing as well, and he mentioned it a bit in the in the chat, was uh, insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he, he was saying that for vehicle leases, the insurance portion, the cost of the insurance portion is about a quarter to a half the cost of the lease. Yep. And that's it's like crazy. very high profit margin S- stuff. Super, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they said that basically that's going to be like a major component um, going forward is going to be their insurance as they sort of build that up and offer it to more people. Do other auto companies have insurance uh, divisions? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. little anecdote there. I was talking to uh, Tom from Ludicrous Feed the other day when I was up in Sydney with his Model 3. I think it cost him something like $150 a month just to insure his Model 3, his uh, uh, Model 3 performance. So, yeah, it's it's not cheap. Yeah, it's not. Um... But but I can understand Tesla's reasoning that it should be cheap. And as autopilot gets better and better, eventually full self-driving comes along. And they've got the data to back up, you know, just how um, infrequently these cars have accidents. Then it it makes sense for the insurance cost to be lower. But I, we are just tra- I can understand why Tesla are getting into this space because they want more people to feel like they can afford to own Teslas, their cars. But the way that traditional insurers look at things is. Oh, look at your Tesla that cost you between seventy and a hundred thousand Australian dollars. That's an expensive car. So, because it's an expensive car, you're going to pay through <laughs> through the nose just to insure it. Yeah, so. and, and you also have to you have to take into account the fact that the insurance companies are also 
squeezing money out of you to make money. Whereas of Tesla course, may, yeah. Yeah, may be able to do an Amazon style thing where they can, they can cut their margins on insurance yeah. uh, and not, not have expensive insurance like other people are offering. Mm. Um, so it gets, like you said, it makes it attractive to buy the, buy the Tesla. Um, and That's then true. They, they'll still make a little bit of money off it, but it's not the core of their business. So, yeah, and that that could be um, that that sounds very in line with Tesla's mission. So I wouldn't, in fact, now that you mention it, I wouldn't be surprised if Tesla runs Tesla insurance just break even, don't make any money off of it, because really their overarching goal is to get more people. Well, their overarching goal is to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy, and the best way they can do that so far is by getting more people into their cars. So. Maybe they just run Tesla insurance at break even, break even just to be an enabler of 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 people to be able to afford that product. Yeah, I think you're right. And they have a lease products as well, don't they? You can lease yes. them. Yes. I wonder how yeah. that. I'm going to look into how that runs and where they're getting. Yeah, I haven't looked into getting that. Getting the money to do that, because uh, that must be underwritten by somebody. Um, but it would be also interesting. I mean, I work in vehicle finance. It'll be interesting to see if they, they could enter the market as a, like if they were able to finance the vehicles as well for you. Um, I don't know quite how they would do that with their small cash balance, but um, I mean, we've seen Apple go and join up with Goldman Sachs to offer a credit card. So it's not, it's not totally crazy to imagine them it, as part of their goal to get people to electrify, go join forces with a bank to offer cheap finance on a Tesla. Um, and then it brings down the cost for people to get into into the Tesla, and that that would look really good on the bank's part as well if they are increasing their their climate activism. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's. It'd be. I was thinking with the insurance. I wonder if they have have the ability to like personalize it because the the software is always running on in the background, and when you're not when you don't have the autopilot on. I wonder if it can like judge how you drive and how many times it flags mm. certain the, certain issues with your driving. I'm sure it does. It's definitely the impression that Elon gave in, in the conference call. Um, that's definitely the impression that he gave. Is that oh, to have it personalized? Collect, yeah, is that they can collect all of the data. Like they, they understand your driving profile and they will price price it according to who you are and what oh, you do excellent. in your Tesla. Yeah. be interested to see what the legal... <laughs> grounds are for doing that um like it because it makes sense right that a ba- a worse driver should be should be charged more for their insurance and that's the basis of why younger drivers get charged so much for their insurance but yeah it's, it's a bit of a bit of a it's one that's going to have to go through some legal tests to see um like because then to what extent do they get to say that you were at fault in an accident. Um, like if, if you do something that causes the accident and how do they know what you were seeing? How do they know what you were specifically doing in the car? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating company. I'm seeing more and more and more of them. Like every day yeah. I see them. That's it. You're only going to see more and more of them. I mean, And they're still one of those they... cars that every time you see it, you're like, look, there's a Tesla. 
head turner. Yeah. yeah. And like I always just like pause For my sure. music and listen to it go past. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the nothingness. Yeah. It's the little word. Because it's so it's so odd. Like it's still like I've seen so many of them. But it's just still so weird to see a car go and there's no engine noise associated with it. Have you guys had a drive in the perfor- uh, any of the performance? No, I haven't Teslas been in a Tesla at all. Oh, yeah, right, same. Okay. Yeah, I'm still oh, yet man. to be in one. Oh, yeah, I, I hadn't had a ride until I met up with Tesla, um, Tesla Tom from Ludicrous Feed the other week. And holy moly, like I, I know so much about these cars and this company. I knew it was going to be fast. I knew it was going to accelerate and it was going to break my neck. But just actually experiencing it is just a whole nother level. I've never felt that much power <laughs> just ever, ever. Like, think about planes taking off. No, nowhere near. I, the, the thing I could kind of compare it to, if you guys know the, the Superman roller coaster ride. Oh, at, uh, really? World, yes. Yeah, it's quicker than that. It's quicker. It pulls hard. And the crazy thing about it is that it does, you know, it's kind of like in a petrol car, you put your foot to the floor, it kind of pulls you hard at the start, and then it tapers off. It gets progressively weaker, that acceleration force. With this Tesla, like, it was three seconds, like, to, to zero to 100, and it just pulled at just that constant, like, mind-bending rate. It was unreal. <laughs> so, yeah, try and... I know, Matt, there's a there's a guy who runs a YouTube channel called Tesla and the Gong. I don't know, yeah, reach yeah. out to him. Get get yourself in one of those cars. <laughs> Jason, you got you to gotta, um, give one of your clients your number yeah. and say, hey, you're financing this Tesla. Uh, hit me up and I'll give you a discount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just let me oh. have a drive. I totally encourage you guys to get in one because far out, it it blew my mind and I knew what was coming. <laughs> I knew what it was going to be like. Yeah. It was still unbelievable. Yeah. Electric anyway. <laughs> motors, you don't realize the, just like the performance that they can put out. Um, like I was saying to you, when you get on an, even an electric skateboard, which doesn't obviously go nearly as fast, but like still it's impressive. when you feel just, the amount of power it can put out and you're just like yeah. how is it doing that and, so, and, and it is that thing like when you get to those higher high, like once you're up to speed you would expect there not to be that much left in it but you can just push the current through and you still get another like, like you're going from a stop you still get more power yeah that's that, that's a good way of putting it actually that's what it feels like it's like accelerating from 80 to 100 still feels like you're accelerating from stop to start yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's, Although then once yeah. it, uh, once you get that back EMF really kicking in, it, it trails off the acceleration completely, um, which is not something that happens. Well, it does happen kind of in, in a normal car and you just get, you don't have any more power left, but the, in a in an electric car, when you look at the the power delivery graph, um, you basically it starts at one hundred percent basically, and then stays at one hundred percent, and then drops off a cliff eventually. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I'm looking at the torque curve here for the Model S, and it has a flat torque curve all the way up to about. 
45 to 50 miles per hour. So, I mean, that's going to be like 70 to 80 kilometers an hour of like zero to 80, where it's just flat torque, no drop in acceleration. It's unreal. The same constant. But after that, yes, it does taper yeah. off. And it, tap- it tapers Ready? off oh. quite hard as well. Um, whereas like oh, a normal oh. a normal torque curve starts from sort of more like lower like it'll it'll start low and ramp up and there's a a perfect spot and then it will come down but it's it they tend to come down later so you can apply quite a bit of torque but later on in the in uh, the the rpms um in an internal combustion engine car so that's why in like the formula 1 cars they use um they use normal they have an engine in it but they use an electric motor for the initial torque and then there's a crossover point where then they're using more power from the internal combustion engine which is which is really cool so um i know we're up against a little bit of time uh restraints here um i did just want to see did any of you guys see anything to do with the new south wales gas deal that was uh agreed to yesterday no i haven't seen it no what was that so it's um it it's basically the they're starting to move towards a renewable uh energy grid um and from what i can understand of the deal they haven't released full details yet but from what I can understand, they were basically, it's an agreement between the federal government and the New South Wales government, which is going to be a model for agreements that are going to be made with the other states as well, where the New South Wales government is going to provide more gas to the system. And in return, the federal government's going to build out the energy infrastructure so specifically here, they're going to build interconnectors with Victoria, I believe, so that we can share our energy supply even more than we do now. They are, they, I think there's one interconnector currently, or may, maybe two, and they're going to build more of those so that we can share electricity supply. Um, and then the, the New South Wales government is going to kick in about a billion dollars to build out... Um, renewable energy sources and the federal government is going to kick in about a billion dollars and so it's a transition measure uh, so that we can transition the the grid to renewables without losing uh, any capacity so that that's the idea because as we were speaking about a little while ago the real danger right now is like our, our electricity grid is pushed right to the limit like we, we basically don't have any capacity left, especially on these really hot days when people run their air cons and whatnot. Um, like I think yesterday the, or the day before, Victorians were being urged not to run their air cons unless it was absolutely necessary because it was just pushing the grid too far. And so while it's great to say we need to go renewable on the uh, grid, there has to be a plan to transition you can't just turn off coal-fired plants um, and build renewable plants, which might not be as efficient. Um, no, you're exactly right. Like we're using ever more electricity as the years go yeah. on. 
And I think that's that's the so, big challenge right now. And rather than it being, it be, gets construed by the media as the government's supporting new coal-fired plants um, because they they support coal. Uh, there's there's an element of we need more electricity. Yeah, the problem is though, if we if we actually aren't able to produce that electricity, it's going to have major effects on the economy. Like if we're having rolling blackouts across different suburbs throughout the course of the day, where for say four hours, you're not allowed to have electricity, like that's going to have major effects on the economy. Um, even, even having that with the water now, like a lot of the guys, even though we are in drought, they're hesitant to put in water restrictions in place because it's restricting business. So yes, we are saving that water, but we're, we're restricting ourselves in the amount of um, money we can generate and business we can generate. So I guess, yeah, it'd be the same thing for electricity. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be hugely damaging if they have to cut off electricity, especially in the modern economy where everything is electricity. Um, and like if you've got an electric car, well, that, that's a huge issue if you can't, can't use your electric car because you can't charge it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a much bigger issue than I think a lot of people make it out to be. Uh, it's a very complex thing to move from, especially an, an electricity grid like we've got, which is completely coal dependent, and towards something that is, that is totally renewable. Uh, it, it's difficult to do that. Um, and not cause disruption and basically have the status quo and allow people to use as much energy as they want and grow their energy usage as much as they want and not cut back on that uh, because nobody wants to, there's no political will in Australia to have people do that. Yeah, but I think also people who are saying these sorts of things, they they have the luxury now to go out and do it themselves. You know, you can go and put solar on your roof and you can go and get battery packs and hook up your house and you can get excess battery packs so that you can have uh, insurance and also um, supply your entire house for the whole day. Hmm. So, while it is still costly, um, it's if the people have the will and the funds to do so, they can go out and make their house completely renewable and mm. turn their reliance off on the on the grid. Yeah, and I'm sure that will yeah. become part of the uh, part of the strategy to move towards total uh, renewable is to start reducing the dependence on the grid by houses by putting in batteries yeah. and whatnot. And it's really waiting for that technology to to become widely available and become cheap enough. Yeah, they, they, they've seen it in uh, California because they've had those, they've had those rolling blackouts um, because of power consumption there as well. And they've seen an uptick in both the solar and um, battery deployments there because people lo- like, you know, they don't have power for four hours of the day. They've got to have something. So, if people can, they'll go out and buy the batteries yeah. and solar. And that, yeah, brings brings the reliance on the grid down 
slightly. It's not how you would want to go about doing it, though. You don't want to be cutting people off and forcing their hair. No, you don't but, want to do that. But um, if if that becomes a norm, like if you can create some sort of a, uh, yeah. a government incentive scheme where people are doing it anyway, even though you're not forcing their hand, if they are doing it anyway, and then you do have some capacity to roll back... Uh, like even temporarily roll back the amounts of electricity available to the grid while you're transit, like you're decommissioning some coal plants and getting some renewable plants up and running and working out the kinks in them. Uh, if the, if there's less uh, demand on the grid just because people are installing batteries and they have those batteries ready to go, then you might not have to create any effects on people normally. So. Um, I think that it, it's a huge, huge policy thing, and unfortunately, the political environment is so, uh, so. It's difficult to get stuff. It's done. It's very difficult to get stuff done. It's very difficult, especially in Australia, to please the media, because the only thing that would please the the Australian media is if the government came out and said we're shutting off all coal plants tomorrow, and I mean that wouldn't even please the media because they'd have no electricity, but. Like, like we got them now, boys. Like whatever they do, it's going to be not green enough, and that's what came out yesterday in the media. People were saying, "Well, gas isn't isn't that clean anyway, so why are we going to gas?" Um, And the that renewable electricity is so much cheaper uh, once you factor in all the costs. Like we should just go straight to that, and like there, there are other considerations. Um, and there's just lack of political uh, capital in Australia to really get sweeping reforms done very quickly. It's kind of one interesting thing I might be able to add to this conversation is that one of the things that um, Elon Musk has said in in an, one one interview from ages ago is that he got asked sometime, you know, oh, wouldn't it be great if you just had the power to turn off all the oil supply tomorrow if you could just like switch off all the coal and that and he said no i I would not flick that switch that is a bad idea (laughs) like i i i like i'm definitely more on the side of like come on we should be really ramping up renewables like basically in any way we possibly can but still we've still kind of got the head on us to think well okay there needs to be a bit of like there needs to be a plan behind it i feel like that's an interesting point that Elon's kind of said, well, even like I'm not stupid enough that I'd switch off all oil and gas and whatever tomorrow, even if I couldn't. He's one of the biggest believers, obviously, in transitioning to renewable energy. But yeah, I think we should just just in in any aspect, we should just try and accelerate as quickly as we possibly can. I mean, yeah, I think, I think we, we talked about this on the on the podcast before me and Jason, yeah. and it was like, if you treat it. If, if every country were to treat it as if it was a third world war against climate change, the amount of resources and political mm. will we would have to actually go ahead and actually um, push these renewables forward would mm. be insane. Like you'd have, oh, you'd have the build out in a matter of, you know, five years or so. Yeah, it had happened so fast. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't quite understand. I, I've, I reckon that there's there's a an economic advantage in having your grid run off 100% or close to it renewables as soon as possible because one of the big advantages if you run your grid basically off of 
you know, wind or off of hydro or off of solar, then the fuel is free. Like the the sun the sun comes out and it shines every day. We don't have to pay for the you know the sun to do that. I mean, it's we've got to go go out there and like mine the coal. We've got to drill the oil and whatever. Like I don't know. It's just a better it's just a better system. Yeah, it is. Um, the one thing I would say is that the like if you were to rush it through like it's a war, the the flip side of that is that after every major war, every country goes into quite a bad recession uh, because you're creating effectively false economic growth by by mobilizing everything to fight the war. And then when the war's over, you scale that back. Um, and so if you were to force resources into building a huge new electric grid, once it's done, what do those people do and what do those companies do? Uh, and so you will see unemployment sort of skyrocket because people have moved from their normal jobs into those jobs. And now those companies no longer have jobs for them to do. So you're going to have high unemployment, you're going to have low growth or growth is going to go backwards for a while. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that's a consideration on, on the economic front for, for not rushing it through. Like it has to be done in a, oh, in definitely. a controlled yeah. manner. Yeah. Here's a, a question that I don't know the answer to. <clears throat> so I don't know if maybe you boys do. How, does, how do countries export power? Is it just, do they just have lines between countries, just one continuous grid, and they just export power across big power lines or something? Hey, didn't we speak about this last week, Brandon? I mean, sorry, not Matt. Didn't we... Uh, exporting yeah, power? Yeah, because Australia exports power somehow. I just don't know how it works. We do? Oh, that, that oh, no, that was, I was talking to oh, you yeah. about this when I was with yeah, you yeah, in that's Sydney. It. That's right. And I, I couldn't remember how it happens. I know that people export power, but I don't know how how they do yeah. it. Maybe, but maybe it is just like, well, I think, yeah, I think we were saying that it must just be maybe like European countries or something. Yeah, it looks like... Just power the, line. It's just one big grid kind the of thing. The biggest yeah. energy exporter in the world is Germany. Um, right. And then okay. followed by Canada, Switzerland, and then a bunch of other European countries. I want to see where Australia sits on this list. Yeah, because I, I don't know if it is maybe something like a continuous grid. I think it is. Then maybe that's... Yeah, I think it has maybe to be a continuous grid because I'm looking at something otherwise here. Otherwise, it would be like batteries or something. Yeah, I'm looking at something here sense. that the plan that was to export renewable energy from Australia was yeah. through high voltage power lines laid under the oceans. Wow. Okay. So Jeez. <laughs> it's, it can only be done via like a connection of some sort. Yeah. 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 yeah so it'd have to be. Yeah. Otherwise, I guess you'd just be carrying batteries across the ocean. Yeah. Just stick <laughs> batteries on <laughs> ships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that would be even. That would not be worth. No, because they would get really, all. really cold while they <laughs> while they were sailing. Yeah, and, it, and it'd be so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you'd, you'd no, burn that, a bunch of coal getting across there, or whatever diesel. Yeah, because I, th- I think that would be interesting if, obviously, I don't know the numbers, the costs, whether this is even feasible. But I mean, one of the advantages Australia, or well, one of the, I don't know, it's like a negative and a positive. Australia cops so much sun 
that obviously it causes things like droughts, heat waves and whatever. But at the same time, Australia cops so much sun, like if you could harvest that and potentially export it, I mean, that's that, that would be... Imagine the economic advantage if, if you had an easy means to export power from Australia because how sunny we are. And, and like, we, we don't have to pay... We basically just have to keep these solar farms up and running. I mean, the sun, like I was saying before, it comes up and it shines anyway. Yeah. The fuel got, is free. I've got here we- the uh, the losses per thousand kilometers because I just wanted to see if it was viable. Oh yeah, or not. yeah, yeah, yeah. The losses so- per thousand kilometers is three percent for a high oh, voltage gosh. DC line. Oh gosh, that but doesn't I mean, sound good. No, but I mean, like if but if you were going and exporting to-, to say. Uh, like Indonesia or Papua New Guinea or those oh, countries, yeah. uh, that, like that's not yeah. that far. But even if it's on the far. other side of the world, let's say, like if if you manage to do like a fifteen thousand kilometer line, like that's what forty five percent. Yeah, so it's not that yeah, crazy. That's, that's roughly. Not great. And I mean, the other side of the world, you're not getting any sun anyway. But then I wonder because that's, it would be a nighttime. That's the. Uh, <laughs> losses per thousand kilometers i guess like line loss but then what's your losses in uh like when you transform that power um um i'm not sure i'd have to look it up but it, it would be, be a percentage high. loss at the end it'd be at the end of the actual line itself yeah. and like when when you sort of bring that voltage back down uh i i imagine that would be a fairly high loss yeah so yeah. how what was it three percent per thousand kilometers? Yeah, that's for a DC line. Uh, um, so what's AC line? It says AC line's higher. It's seven percent. That's that's what right. we use. So Darwin. Yeah, Darwin the AC to... lines are. Sorry, you go. But I mean, I don't know. Could they run an even higher voltage line? Because the ones that run are about seven to eight hundred thousand kilovolts. Yeah. So I wonder if it could even run higher. Maybe. Or Maybe have a thicker a thicker cable. I don't know. Imagine if you had to like put some resources into engineering or optimization of this system and you could probably there'd be some some level of optimizing you could do. Yeah, so Darwin to Bali is one thousand seven hundred and eighty one kilometers. Yeah. Well, I mean So you, you, that's that's not it's a massive not huge no. massive I mean that's space I think to get. we might see as, as things sort of tend to happen, you get a lot of scientific developments like that. Or technological developments like that coming out of science, like big sort of science uh, projects, and that's one of the things that the they are doing needed, at the, the Large Hadron Collider at CERN is they create superconductors. Well, they've got superconductors running that, which have basically no loss, um, and so you'd be able to if they are able to do that, but run them at normal temperatures then like, that would change the game entirely. Yeah. I've put it I put in the doc here just like potential lines and oh, the existing transmission yeah. lines across Australia. So that was like what they kind of looked at doing and it was because Indonesia is growing at 6.8% per annum. Right. I think <clears throat> existing so, oh so that's yeah yeah. Yeah, so they can export from here. Um Okay. But I mean, we don't have enough power anyway to begin with. Yeah, so. it would have to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would need to. They they need to but, be building it themselves or something. But if if 
Imagine if we were 100% renewable. I think there, there, there would be a strong economic advantage. There definitely reckon. would. Like, the technology needs to Imagine improve, just not- though. What's well, free money? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you're just you're just turning the sun into money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just a matter of how long do these solar panels last for? Like, yeah, what's that's their true. turnover? What's their turnover cycle now? Because I've got yeah. no idea how long it. And and maintenance, you got to keep them clean as well. That's something. I mean, imagine that if you had enough power where you could power the whole of Australia and other countries from solar. That would be a, a fair portion of your population would be out there cleaning solar panels for a living. <laughs> <that's for damn laughs> <sure>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder what. And the other thing I was thinking of too, like if you had. I wonder Sorry. how superconductors are coming, are coming along. Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is, I was thinking of like if you have all this free power, then you can go and put that towards a desalination plant because we have a serious water problem. Um, yeah. And if, and, yeah. and if you if you just pump your desal plant, you don't even need batteries or anything like that. If you just pump the desal plant during that usable portion of the day for solar, then it doesn't really matter. And the problem with desal is the energy constraint of it. It uses so much energy to push it through the membranes that it doesn't make it viable to actually use it. Obviously, there's maintenance of the membranes itself, but the energy constraint is just massive. And if you could solve that, you know, you also have free water as well. Yeah, it's, it's it unlocks a lot of opportunities. I mean, just getting on top of this this renewable power kind of situation. Because you're right, if you could unlock like a cheap cheap desal system, then you're laughing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's Go and so pump that so out into the outback. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be a massive infrastructure build, but I kind of like thinking about, you know, the massive infrastructure projects that happen around around the world. It it all comes... Go go ahead. I was just going to say, and you think about, like, solving issues that uniquely Australia faces. I mean, massive droughts. If you can get, like, desal viable, massive pumps, get that into drought-affected areas. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, and it's it's all made possible by having this excess energy. It's all yeah. about energy. You need yeah. lots and lots and lots of it. And, yeah. Yeah. You basically can do whatever you want. Yeah. I've got I agree. here... Yeah, it's a big, big energy problem. On... Uh, Wikipedia, it says in 2019, it was discovered that lanthanum hydride uh, becomes a superconductor at 250 Kelvin, which is like fairly close to, fairly close to freezing. Um, Yeah. Negative. It's like, that's very warm for superconductors. Um, And, but it's under a pressure of 170 gigapascals. Um, So, like, like that's basically the up till now it's been a trade-off between the pressure and the, the temperature so a high temperature um a high temp- temperature superconductor is at 30 kelvin it's considered to be high temperature at 30 kelvin if it can be a superconductor above that so what's that like negative 240 odd Negative 200 and yeah. <laughs> so uh, like very, very cold. I mean, that's, they're running superconductors at those temperatures at the Large Hadron Collider. Uh, and they, they're really down to almost absolute zero. And um, that's what caused one of the explosions there was it just got slightly too high and then it 
it ran away with itself. Like the resistance was so high, they just generated all this heat and everything basically blew up. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, the all of the different parts of building an infrastructure like grid like that, and once once you solve those problems, like it can be applied in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So uh, it's pretty interesting to look yeah. at. Was there anything else either of you wanted to bring up? No, I'm I'm pretty happy with just the chat on Tesla. I think it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I had a great time. That was good. I yeah. want to just check. I like always dreaming up numbers. certain things to do with. I want to check the coronavirus numbers again before we finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I like always dreaming up certain things to do with engineering and what might be possible, even though it might not be economically feasible. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't think, I think they've we at least updated start, it. Start trying. Yeah, we definitely should start trying. Yeah, I think that's the first step because as soon as you start trying, that's like another classic Elon thing is people tend to think that as time goes on, technology gets better. And he said, technology doesn't get better because time passes. <laughs> technology gets better because you know resources are put towards improving that technology. I think I think at, the, at at this point in time it's just like all right well let's start putting some resources t- towards it to start you know learning about where improvements can be made efficiencies can can get better and you know new breakthroughs can come about so that we don't have to look at this problem and go oh psh, that's too hard or that's never going to happen I mean look look at the solar panels today they you know they cost too much oh, all the grids run on coal it's easier that or whatever whatever the argument is, it's just like, let's at least start to, to look at these issues. Yeah, it looks like And here, maybe the answers will present themselves. Um, I just picked up the, like, the local Sydney City news that just gets delivered here. Um, it mm. says here that the city of Sydney is... Uh, they recently signed an agreement for the city's operations to be powered 100% renewable electricity by July 2020. So, so it says again. here that um, it's written Sydney, yeah, by the I'm guessing the what, mayor. When was that written? The Lord Mayor. This just came today in the in the uh, news uh, in, in the post box. Um, it said I recently signed an agreement for the city's operations to be powered by 100% renewable electricity by July 2020. Um, so they'll be doing it by purchasing power from wind and solar farms at Glen Innes, yep. Wagga Wagga, yep. and the Shoalhaven. There you go. <laughs> so they're not actually. <laughs> well, yeah, they're purchasing. They're the not actually changing anything. There. They're just buying the power from. But other I places. also wonder. Yeah, so they're if, not. They're not using it. <laughs> yeah, but I also wonder if it's um, the like all the electricity in Sydney, or if it's just like the um, the government buildings. <laughs> Oh, if it would be the government bill, I I can't imagine it being all yeah. of Sydney because that would be that's pretty much the entire state anyway. It does that's it does crazy, say yeah. here that it's like it says I recently signed an agreement for the city's operations and city is capitalized. So I think it uh, might okay. be just like the city of Sydney government. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, damn it! That, <laughs> oh, that's well. not that's not impressive no. at all. I got excited there for a second. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, no, I think we're a long way off from going completely renewable, especially for Sydney. It'll be a big day when it happens, yeah. but ACT, I think is, we're I'd, I'd be cheering. Many. ACT is totally renewable, isn't it? 
Yeah, ACT is, yeah. But we do it through a similar system. Well, we're most of the way there by ourselves, and then we to, to get to 100%, we just buy power. Um, because no no electricity grid is truly renewable. Like, we've still got some connection to, you know, the coal plants yeah. and that sort of stuff. Oh, but, actually, Brandon, I did want to talk yes. about how's the fires looking where you are now? Like, oh, I've seen fires. some photos. Yeah, in Canberra, I mean, we're... There, there were there a couple of days ago. I'm actually not sure how it's going at the moment, but we've not got too much smoke haze at the moment. There was a fire to to our uh, just south of the of Canberra that was um, that was causing the air to be pretty bad a couple of days ago. I'm not sure how that fire is going at the moment, but it's not too smoky, so we're looking we're looking all right for the time being but yeah i live uh, a little bit north side so it's the very furthest south side suburbs that um, yeah yeah that were that were um they weren't even being told to evacuate they would just watch and stay alert um they uh, um near thawa i think thawa got burnt yeah that was bad. it there cuz yeah. i was looking at the the smoke plume that was sort of yeah. coming up from like photos from the city itself where it wasn't blowing yep. back onto the city and you could see it so clearly. Yeah, and it was, was crazy. Um, amazing. Yeah, there were people people that were close enough to actually take photos of the actual fire in the distance and then the smoke coming up and across, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. These fires, they just keep raging. The, the sad thing about it is I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a bit more of a new normal i wouldn't imagine we get fires this bad every single year but i think that uh, as time goes on unless we start doing something drastic about climate change yeah, well, it's, we're it's not going to have keep... any fuel we're not going to have yeah, any fuel true. for next season it, anyway it'll, ta- so. it'll take yeah take a while that's it. it it's actually think about the positives it's been the biggest backburning would would it actually reduce the fuel available next year or will it all regrow Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Like you, there's so much undergrowth over the last, um, I don't know, 10, 20 years or so. Yeah, and that's all gone that's now. That's sort of just been... Yeah. yeah, which is all gone. Well, then that's... Um, I mean, that's not really climate change, is it, then? If, if, the, if there's so much undergrowth that's accumulated and that's what's made it really, really bad, yeah. then... You, yeah, well, that's, that's part, part of it. That's you can't attribute just to climate change. And it might actually. Yeah. yeah. No, the climate change part is make is the heat waves and making the conditions worse yeah. for fires. Yeah. The, yeah. the thing was, I was arguing with, I think it was my my dad about it like one or two years ago. It was um there was an article in the New Scientist, and it was saying how the Daintree rainforest, which is a temperate sort of forest, is undergoing like this change on the outer fringes of the forest itself, where it's the vegetation is becoming much more stressed and prone to fires. And it's you can see it starting to come in from the outer fringes. You used to go see a therapist. So once... It was getting stressed. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Take some days off work. Yeah, so... <laughs> so what was once like a, a, like a very healthy forest, the outer fringes of it are starting to, to run into a bit of trouble. Oh, there. really? And I mean, that... Yes, and I mean that's up in you know um, a healthier forest. In when you move sort of further down, when you get even much drier conditions, then yeah, pair that with a huge fuel load that we had, and this is what you get. Yeah, but um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, the one near Canberra is pretty big, and I looked at. I don't know if you want to check this out, but it's a interesting website. Apart from just the New South Wales fires uh, app, 
It's GIS, uh, New South Wales fires, and it shows you the heat spots of the fires itself. So, yeah, so before, like, you could normally see, say, in Sydney, you look at the Gospers Mountain one, you're like, oh, it's massive. But when you look at the heat spots itself, the fire is pretty much gone. But then right. when you look at the heat spots for the one near Canberra, it's absolutely raging. Like, you can see it clear as day. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the dock and you can check it out after Okay. After yeah. the um, podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. Interesting. All right. So, unless there's yeah. anything else, maybe we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, sounds um, good. Brandon, I did note here, did you want to plug uh, Profitful or your YouTube channel or anything? Oh, that's all right. Oh, yeah, if, if people want to come follow, they can come follow me at Aussie Wealth Creation. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, if people are interested in checking out Profitful, then um, I'm sure they can. Yeah, but, there's a video uh, you no, made about no it. Plugs, on your, no plugs needed. <laughs> on your uh, YouTube yeah, channel. No plugs it. needed. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not in the, like, people that follow my channel know that I'm not much of a salesman. <laughs> I'm not trying to go out there and flog, flog this and flog that. But if people are interested, they can check it out for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's always good to have a chat no, to you. That's all right. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, it's good we'll to have a chat. We'll get you back on uh, more regularly in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys.